Bruno was born in Cologne, Germany, around 1030. He became a... This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for October 6th. Today we celebrate Saint Bruno. Bruno was born in Cologne, Germany, around 1030. He became a famous teacher and served as chancellor of its archdiocese. His dream, however, was to live in solitude and prayer. He persuaded a few friends to join him in a hermitage. After a time, he was given a more remote, solitary site on which to build. For Bruno, it was ideal. The climate and mountainous terrain almost guaranteed silence, poverty, and small numbers. In 1084, Bruno and his friends built an oratory there with small individual cells at a distance from each other. This marked the beginning of a new contemplative monastic order known as the Carthusians. Six years later, Pope Urban II called Bruno to Rome for a consultation about church affairs. When the Pope fled because of anti-papal activity, Bruno also pulled up stakes. He spent his last years in the wilderness of southern Italy. Bruno was never formally canonized since the Carthusians resisted publicity. Pope Leo X simply declared Bruno a saint in 1514. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I'm Father Richard Kunst with a Papal Minute. The Church has had saintly popes, but has also survived sinful ones. Among the darkest periods in history of the papacy was the 9th and 10th centuries. If there is one personification of these dark times, it is a woman named Morosia, who is thought to have been the mistress of Pope Sergius III. Leaving aside the salacious rumors about Morosia, the noteworthy detail that most certainly sets her apart from anyone else is how many popes she was related to. Morosia was grandmother to Popes John XII and Benedict VII. Her great-grandsons were Benedict VIII and John XIX, and her great-great-grandson was Benedict IX. Were it not for her illicit involvement in the papacy, this would be one heck of an impressive family tree. This has been your Papal Minute. To learn more, visit papalartifacts.com. That is papalartifacts.com. like to shop local, but sometimes there are items you can't easily get nearby. The next time you shop online, think of Real Presence Radio. If you use our special link, Real Presence Radio will get a portion of your purchase price on Amazon, and it won't cost you anything additional. Just go to realpresenceradio.com smile, and you're all set. You'll be directed to Amazon Smile, where a portion of your purchase price will be donated to Real Presence Radio. It's easy, fast, and doesn't cost you a dime. Find the link at realpresenceradio.com smile. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to Real Presence Live. And we're, we're having a good day here in Bismarck, North Dakota. We're coming to you live from the Church of Corpus Christi, where I am pastor. And Father Obergewitch is here, my parochial vicar. And we've had a good first hour. We have a great second hour coming up. And on this feast day of St. Bruno, I hope you're all having a, a good day. And remember, Bruno never formally canonized. The Carthusians would have none of it. And so Pope Clement said, well, 
all right, in 1671, he said, I'll just extend it to the whole church, and it's going to be a feast day anyway, but uh, Bruno, the, the Carthusian, he founded the Carthusian order. Tomorrow, uh, a big day as well, Our Lady of the Rosary. Uh, there's some great feast days in October. Uh, Steve Ray is in the house. Steve Ray, good morning to you. Good morning, Monsignor. Always delightful to talk with you. And now I have a face to go with the name since we were out there yeah. in uh, North and South Dakota. So I enjoyed our time together. It, it was it was it was great. Um, uh, how have you been, Steve? Tell us, uh, uh, update me on on what, what you've been doing and how, how are you and what's new. Well, thank you. Well, we've been busy, and uh, we've already had three tri very successful trips to the Holy Land this year. Got two more to coming up. Uh, November, December, we're taking a group to Jordan in November. We're leaving on Tuesday for our St. Paul cruise, 10 biblical sites through Greece and Turkey, um, hitting them all through a cruise ship that we're taking, and that's already sold out, too. All our trips sell out about eight months in advance. So, um, and But we've been got a lot going back in the air again. We've been to Lourdes and Fatima, Italy, uh, Oberammergau twice, Israel three times. And uh, my wife says we're already starting to get worn out again. So, but, and also, <laughs> because we're talking about our book, my uh, talk is on Genesis. This is number six out of the six we've done the last one. But the Ignatius Press just informed me that the book on Genesis will be published in the spring. Steve Ray, for those who, have, who, who, who do, do not know you, uh, give us a brief uh, update. Um, uh, a, a brief history on on who you are, and and why why you as an author and as a uh, tour leader to these sites, why, why why you're intriguing to me because of your past. Um, uh, update the people on that. Oh boy, that's a tall order to do in a minute or two. But I was born and raised a very anti-Catholic Baptist. My parents taught me that Catholics are going to hell and that we needed to get them saved. And so that's how I was raised. I was raised very devout Bible alone, faith alone, Baptist family, and I used to teach classes on how to convert Catholics. Well, anyway, my wife and I got married young, and in 1993, we started to see the problems with Protestantism. I was a Bible teacher and an evangelist, and I had my own business. Well, we saw the problems within Protestantism, and it almost drove me to agnosticism. The big problems are what is worship. We knew that what we did, singing and playing guitars and standing and sitting and preaching, that was maybe good fellowship, but it wasn't worship like God wanted us to, and we didn't know what it was. The Catholics did it, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, but we didn't have that. My wife instinctively knew that, and that started the whole process. We also started to realize you cannot have Bible alone. You need a church. The Bible came through the church, and it took 400 years. How did the early Christians know how to get saved and what to do on Sunday without the book? They didn't have it until the end of the 4th century when it was collected into one volume. That was a problem. I was Bible alone, but I realized that could never work. And then I had to ask myself, how many churches did Jesus start? And I see when I drive down Main Street, Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Assemblies of God, Charismatic, they're all, all kinds of them. And um, I said, well, how do I know which one is right? We had visited lots of them. We were called church hoppers. We hopped from one to another trying to find the right one. I realized Jesus only started one church. I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build my churches. 
And then that, that drove us because we didn't have an answer for those questions. We were still very anti-Catholic. Obviously, that became the answer, but it wasn't an answer. It wasn't even an option at that time. We almost became agnostic, Monsignor, in 1993, but a friend of ours, Al Cresta, we'd been best friends since 1983, told us he was converting to the Catholic Church, and my attempt to argue him out of going to the Catholic Church convinced me that the Catholic Church was right, and my wife and I joined the Catholic Church in 1994, which is 28 years ago. We're coming up on 30-year anniversary, and I'll tell you, I'm still as excited about being a new convert as I was back then. We wrote a story, a letter to my dad. The letter was to my dad. It started out, Dear Dad, you're the best father in the world, and I owe you an explanation. He was furious at me and my wife for becoming Catholic. I wrote that letter to him, and it ended up becoming my book, Crossing the Tiber. We start, I had an insatiable desire to go to the Holy Land after that because I was Catholic now. We went to the Holy Land. I decided in the middle of the night had this dream or a vision or something, and we started to make a 10-part video series with Ignatius Press, which has become amazingly successful. And then people said, since you made those movies and took us to the Holy Land in the movies, why don't you take us in person? So in 2005, we opened up my website to a new pilgrimage. We took people. It was sold out overnight, and now we've done over 110 pilgrimages to the mm-hmm. Holy Land since then, and we're loving every minute of it. i got to travel with you sometime. Steve, I'm uh, planning a, a pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 2024 the fall of, a couple years from now, but you would be great to travel with. Uh, CatholicConvert.com. Why don't we that, do it together? We, you know, Why don't we do it together? That, 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 would, be, that, would, that would be fun. I, I would love to. I would love to travel with you, and then, then I wouldn't have to do all the work. And you, you'd, you don't you'd have be, to do anything. Just come and be the chaplain. You, you, you just you, celebrate mass and lead the rosary. I take care of everything. Hey, uh, but before we before we get to the to the work of this show here, how how did you teach people to to save Catholics? Well, what, what's oh that well, was very. We 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 send a lot of our kids to college. They're targets, and I was targeted by the by the Campus Crusades for Christ at North Dakota State University. They're 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 targeted, and and and, and I didn't realize this was orchestrated by by Uh by them. How 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 did you teach people to do it? Well, first of all, it's very easy because Catholics don't know their Bible, and their parents have never taught them how to defend and explain the faith. So they're sitting ducks. If you just take your kids to Mass every Sunday and think CCD is going to do everything you need to do with the kids, they're going to be sitting ducks. That's why the majority of Catholic kids are already lost the faith by the time they're out of college. First of all, Monsignor, I told my kids, you can go to any, any university you want to, but I'll pay for these five. You guess which ones they chose, the five that I told them I'd pay for. And my kids all came out at the other end of the pipeline, authentic, excited Catholics. I didn't lose any of my kids to university because, first of all, you've got to teach them when they're young how to explain and defend the faith. They need to know the Bible. They need to know apologetics. And then you have to be very, very careful where they go to school. We homeschooled our kids. Where they go to school, and you have to be very careful where they go to university. And parents and grandparents have the purse. They own the control. So why do they let their kids go to school that they know they're going to lose their faith when they could send them to schools like Ave Marie University, Steubenville, Christendom, and these others? I have two grandsons now in university, and they're going to wonderful Catholic universities, and they're going to come out stronger than when they went in. Steve Ray, let's get back to your book. That was uh, wonderful. Okay. 
that was wonderful. <laughs> and uh, you said Ignatius is going to print this this spring? Yes, it's going to be published. I don't know what the title of it's going to be, but it'll be Genesis something, something, something. Probably it'll be Genesis, how it all began, or something like that. But, it, but I wrote it in a way that it's for scholars, because I'm bringing out the meaning of these uh, elusive words, and what does it mean, six days of creation, and all of those, what does it mean that Jacob wrestled with an angel and then called him God? All these things we deal with very carefully, but I also wrote it, my wife said it read like a novel. So it goes verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the whole book, and, but it, it's written more like a novel, so anybody can sit down and read it, and it's fun to read. So th- let's get to part six now. I, I've, I've had the pleasure to interview you, Steve Ray, uh, for, uh, with uh, the explanation of this book. We're, we're on part six now, which deals with Joseph in, in the yes. book of Genesis. Um, um, who is Joseph? Uh, we, we have just uh, in a couple minutes before our first break here, uh, Steve, who is Joseph and why is he, why is he relevant in, in, in our faith history? He is the conclusion of the book of Genesis, and he, let me give the context. First, there's the creation, the fall, the flood, then comes the Tower of Abel, and then God has to find a new man to start over again. It's been a disaster. People have sinned and murder and everything. He starts over again. He finds a man named Abraham. Abram changes his name to Abram. Abram comes to this new land called Canaan. He has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Joseph is one of his sons, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. So when we hear of the 12 tribes or the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, Joseph is one of them. And so you have him, Joseph, is the great-grandson of Abraham. So you have this family continuity. Joseph plays into this part very importantly because he saves the whole people of his family. There's a famine in Canaan, which becomes Israel. There's a famine. They have to leave and come to Egypt. But before that happens, God has prepared the way. God is so smart. He's always got everything figured out ahead of time. He had earlier sent Joseph as a slave. His brothers betrayed him. We'll talk about that because very much like Jesus, his his, uh, disciples, they all betrayed him too. uh, Judas kissed him and betrayed him. He was put into prison. Well, anyway, Joseph goes there, and through a series of events, he becomes the number two in Egypt under the under the pharaoh, number two called a vizier, and he's now in charge of all of Egypt, and he has the capability now to save his family from disaster, and then they all go back to Egypt, uh, from Egypt in the Exodus, and take over the land. That's the short summary context version. We're going to be back in just one moment, Steve. We're going to take a we're going to take a break. I, I remember as a boy the the story of of his brothers selling him as a slave was was a story that really impacted me as a as a child. And and uh, I guess we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about more how how Joseph's betrayal how how, how that was a a prefiguration of of our Lord Jesus. As we get back to Steve Ray, uh, we're talking about his book um, on Genesis. We don't know the title of it yet. It will be published by Ignatius Press this spring. And uh, we'll be back with with, uh, Steve Ray here in just one moment on your Real Presence Radio Network. We'll be back in just one moment.
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision specializes in pediatric eye care and vision therapy. We partner with a national infant eye exam program called Infant C, which provides eye exams for any baby under 12 months old. Many of the major childhood eye problems, such as lazy eyes, eye turns, and ocular diseases, can be detected in this early intervention exam. Infant C eye exams can be scheduled online at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud supporter of babies everywhere and a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. Real Presence Radio is available on Alexa-enabled devices, including Amazon Echo, phones, tablets, and smart displays. To enable the skill, just say, Alexa, enable Real Presence Radio. To listen, say something like, Alexa, open Real Presence Radio. It will then ask what station you want to play, to which you can respond, play Sioux Falls, or play AM 970, or play WWEN. From there, you can use commands like play, pause, and stop. Listen to RPR anytime, anywhere, on Alexa-enabled devices. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. All right. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. As we come up on 19 minutes past the hour, wherever you are, my name is Monsignor Schumacher, and I'm coming to you live from the Church of Corpus Christi, where I'm pastor. Steve Ray is my guest. Uh, CatholicConvert.com is where you get a hold of him. It's been his site for 28 years. Uh, Steve Ray's first book uh, was Crossing the Tiber, which was a summary of, of the letter to his father when he became Catholic. And his latest book coming out this spring is, is on the first book of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. And we're, we're, we're talking about the sixth part of that, um, uh, about Joseph, and before the break, I, I, Steve, I said how how the the story of Joseph's brothers selling him as a slave was was a was a story that broke my heart and made an impression in my life when I was in grade school. Why why is that why is that story so gripping and important? Well, it lays the whole foundation out for the rest of the Bible. Of course, that's what Genesis means, beginnings. There's beginnings for everything. And this story of Joseph, he was a special son. His father his father set him up for the problems, in a way, unfortunately. Ted's father had several wives, 
and this was the wife that he loved the most. He refers to Rachel as the wife he loved. And she had the son after 10 others had been born. Yeah, Jacob already has 10 sons, and now he has number 11. But she, this boy comes from the wife Rachel, and he gives Joseph a special robe. It's, we've often heard of it as the coat of many colors. It's probably not a coat of many colors. The, the Hebrew word there is a little ambiguous, but it could mean a very festive robe. In other words, all his other ten brothers were working robes, the kind that you work in. that has got stains on them, and they're frayed at the edges, and they're made for working. And Joseph walks in with this new one, a festive robe, maybe with colors, but with maybe gold tassels on it. So, Well, his father set him up to be the victim of jealousy, and his brothers envied him and were jealous of him. And then it became worse because Joseph had these dreams. God gave him dreams, and through the whole story, you see he has the ability to interpret dreams, which is a gift given by God. And his dreams are that he is, uh, all of his brothers and even his mother and father are going to be bowing down to him. It's through the stars and the moons are all bowing to him, and the sheaves of wheat that bow to him, and they get so angry. So we're all going to bow down and worship you? Are you crazy? So they're so jealous of him that they put him in a cistern, which is an underground water reservoir. The only way you can get out is to crawl out through the hole of the way up in the top. Jesus, by the way, was put in the same kind of a cistern after his brothers, the disciples of Judas, betrayed him. He was put in the same kind of a cistern in Jerusalem. I was just in that cistern with our group of people just six days ago. I took them down into the cistern where Jesus was in prison over Holy Thursday night. That's what Joseph was. They sold him as a slave. They lied to his father about what happened to him. And Joseph went away to Egypt as a slave, but through a series of events and God's providence, Joseph always was a holy, righteous young man, handsome too, because even the king's wife was trying to seduce him, but he was he was so handsome and manly, but he was righteous and holy and he would do nothing wrong. Very much like Jesus. Again, he's a picture, a type of Christ. And then through a series of events, he is raised up to become the head of all of Egypt, and therefore he was able to save his brothers. But boy, is that, that there's no more intriguing story, Monsignor, than that story of his brothers having to come there starving because there's a famine in the land. They come to Egypt not knowing that this guy on the throne is their brother, who they betrayed. Oh my goodness, that is probably one of the most intriguing drama that's ever been written, and it's right there in the Bible. And um, <laughs> they 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 didn't know it initially, and uh, it's oh, no. uh, so let's let's talk more about uh, Joseph as as a type of Christ in 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 Saint John Lateran in Rome. Uh, there's there, there, there's an image which contrasts Joseph's betrayal with our Lord's betrayal by his disciples. Uh, let's talk more about how Joseph here. Is is a is a type of Christ, which you 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 said it clearly. Joseph sets the the stage for the the, the rest of the Bible. Yes, it, it, the whole. Um, I just had a group. We were in St. John Lateran just a, a month or two ago, and I showed them a couple times this year already, actually in St. John Lateran. And I showed the beauty of that churches. You go walking and you see all the typology. For those who don't know, that means that something in the Old Testament, a picture, an image, a person, an event, which represents something coming in the New Testament, which is going to kind of pop out on wine screen Technicolor, and so you have uh, all of these parallel stories, like you have the, the Moses 
um, coming out of Egypt through the Red Sea, and you've got Jesus coming through the waters of baptism. So the Red Sea, the children of Israel going through the Red Sea is a picture of water baptism. And But anyway, we get to Joseph, and the one you have over here, Joseph, uh, let's, let's start with the New Testament first. On the one side you have Jesus, and Judas is giving him a kiss, and his other disciples are running away. And Judas has a snarky look on his face as he comes up. He gives Jesus a kiss on the cheek, and the soldiers are coming. Now, that's one image. So you look over to the other side, and you see what was the Old Testament parallel? What prefigured it? What pointed to that event? And there you see the brothers taking Joseph and betraying him and putting him into a cistern and, and in a way, uh, giving him death in a way. So you have both of them, Joseph representing Jesus, and Jesus himself, who is the fulfillment of the picture of Joseph. Both of them are going into a cistern. Both of them are going underground until they come out, and then they're sold into bondage. Joseph went to Egypt, which was the enemy country, of course, and Jesus, he is sold by his brothers and the Romans and the Jews, who are his brothers, right? He was a Jewish man. This was his family, his Jews, the brother Jews. They sold him to the Romans, and they had him crucified. But just like Joseph, Joseph went into prison when he went there, into Egypt. He went into prison. He was there for a while, but then he was raised up out of the prison. Jesus went into death, and he was raised up out of death. What did Joseph do? He was put on the throne. What happened to Jesus? He was risen from the dead and taken up to heaven and put on the throne. What did Joseph do? He saved his brothers and the whole of the people of God. What does Jesus do? Because of his raising up and sitting on the throne, he also saves his people. So you've got marvelous parallels going through all... And this is one of the beauties of Genesis, especially, because Genesis, everything in there is pointing towards the New Testament. I wrote a commentary on the Gospel of St. John, and in there I just show, you cannot understand the Gospels, especially John, unless you first understand Genesis. Because Genesis is the, the seedbed of everything that comes up. The Catholic Church is all to be understood by looking back at the Old Testament. The life of Christ, who we are as Christians, all looks back to the Old Testament. For example, Monsignor, we say that we're Christians, right? Well, what does that mean? The word Christ is the same word as Messiah. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. It's the same word, the, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. When we say that we are Christians, we're saying that we are followers of the Jewish Messiah. Christians don't realize that they're really Jewish. We are Jewish by our roots. When we say we're Christians, we're saying that by my roots, I am a follower of the Jewish Messiah. We've been grafted into the Jewish tree, and that's who we are. Even the Pope, uh, Pope Pius XII, I think it was, said that we are all spiritual Semites. Steve Ray, um, I, I could visit with you for, for hours. Um, we're going we're gonna to have to part ways here in a couple of minutes. Before I do, um, I first want to remind people that you will be in Rochester, Minnesota on December 6th at the RPR Banquet. Is that correct? Tuesday, December 6th. Yes. And I am. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Steve Ray... Uh, is worth listening to and uh, support that banquet, support all of our banquets. But uh, Steve Ray, this convert from evangelicalism, he's a pilgrimage leader 
Uh, he's the author of several books, Crossing the Tiber, his first. But uh, you're, you're also a, a, a friend of Real Presence Radio and a frequent guest yes. and a, a regular contributor. And for that, I'm, I'm grateful to you for, for all of that. Um, we've been visiting with him over the past few months about his book on Gen... When are you going to have a title for this, Steve? Uh, that is a couple things away when you publish a book. It's Ignatius Press has the right to choose the title, with my approval, of course. And they've always chosen good titles for my books. I have five books, and they've always chosen good titles. So that will be chosen by them. Also, the cover will be chosen by them. But I hope it is Rembrandt's image of Abraham going to slay his son Isaac, because that is the pinnacle chapter. 22 is the pinnacle chapter of the whole book of Genesis. But... They're the ones that will choose the title, and as soon as I know, I'll let you know. And then when, when your book comes out, um, th- let's, let's talk more about it. Uh, and, but I'll have you on the show before that. And I just want to thank yes. you, Steve, for all, that you, for all that you do for our listeners and uh, f- for all that you do in, in the, the, the Catholic world, uh, taking people on tours, your writing of books, your, your, your passion about defending our faith. Your, your, your passion about the gift of Catholicism has made a, a lasting impression on me. So thank you, Steve, for all that you do, and we'll visit with you again, okay? Thank you very much. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. That was Steve Ray. He'll be in Rochester on Tuesday, December 6th at the RPR banquet there. And we had him here in Bismarck a few years ago, and he's a, he's a delight to meet, a, a delight to, li- to listen to, and we, we, all need, uh, to, to, um, we all need his wisdom. He was one who was trained uh, to, to take Catholics away from their faith. And, and now um, he found the, the, the one true faith and reminds us to defend our faith, to learn about our faith. And um, we can't take it for granted or we're going to lose it. We'll be sitting ducks. Uh, so we'll be back in just one moment. I have one more interview coming up with... Mrs. Deanne Sheeler, and uh, we're coming up on 31 minutes past the hour. We'll be back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever wondered if your family's past struggles have affected you personally? I'm Father.